Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Hey, it's so good for you to be here with us tonight. And uh, it's good to be back. My wife and I have had a couple of weeks off and... Um, and a uh, little quick story, we took my, uh, my kids 10-pin uh, bowling, uh, my two-year-old, for the first time. And, and he's, um, he's a pretty full-on uh, little man, uh, so much so he picked up the bowling ball just because he was so eager to throw it down the bowling alley. And, uh, and as he gets to the, the ramp that we use, you know, the kid's ramp that you push it down, he sits it up there, but he's not quite tall enough. And the thing comes de- back down and nearly totally ruined our whole holiday. Missed his foot by about two inches. And uh, my wife and I looked at each other and went, we're parenting really well. But we had a great time and uh, it was a lot of fun. If you've got your Bible tonight, why don't you turn to Galatians chapter 5. And, uh, and while you're doing that, if you've got your phone, you can do that. But uh, I just want to do a quick little shout out to Jess and, uh, and the team from Red Frogs, they've just come back from being at Groove in the Moo. And uh, they were up late last night. They were looking after people who were, um, let's just say, um, uh, uh, not quite in their right mind uh, from some other things that were ingested into their body. Um, but can I tell you that our Red Frogs team are doing such a significant job in our universities um, that we are actually having particularly a university that are desperate to get us in more and more. And so I would love it, love it if, uh, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, we want you to be part of that team. Jess, can you just raise your hand, wave. This is Jess. Give it up for her. She is doing a phenomenal job. Please see her afterwards because I tell you, it, it is transforming people's lives. And who, know, who, who else knows this? That we need Jesus to transform our universities. Some of us need to know that, Okay. We need Jesus to transform our universities like never before. And it's time for us to get in there and serve our universities to show the love of Christ so that they will meet Him. And so if you can be part of that team, why don't you see Jess uh, after the end of the service. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Do not get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ is of no benefit to you. I say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regular, every regard in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have cut off, you are cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For we, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, There is no benefit for being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Jump down to verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 
For the whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always being, uh, let me say that again, but if you are always being bitten and devouring, biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of you destroying one another. Verse 16 says, so, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting to the division of soul and spirit and cutting to every... God, I pray that your word would, would do a work on our heart. I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would come and, and guide the scalpel's knife, the surgeon's knife on our heart and take out the things that are not of you. Make our heart more and more like Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, can anyone remember uh, when you were 17 and, uh, and your 18th birthday was coming up and you couldn't wait to get your license? Anyone else? Anyone else remember that time? Like you were so eager to get your license. Why? Because getting your license was a sense of independence. And I remember having the conversation with my father in my house saying, Dad, I'm getting to that age. I'm going to be an adult. And, uh, and so there should be a little bit more freedoms. I, I don't think I should have a curfew at home anymore. And so I remember getting to my 18th birthday. We celebrated. And I said, Dad, Dad, no more curfew for me. And, uh, and I went and got my license, passed it first time. Uh, I know that's a big thing for me. I'm very proud of that. And, uh, and, and got, my, got my license Rode off my, cat, my dad's car three months later, but that's another story. And, uh, and, and so I'm driving around saying, Dad, I don't need a curfew. And I, and I remember these small little words that I'm sure some of you have also heard, but Dad said, hey, as long as you're under my roof, it's my rules. And I was shattered. Because a 9 p.m. curfew is not great for an 18-year-old. You know, we all want a sense of freedom. We all want it. And in fact, if the last couple of years has taught me one thing, is that we will do whatever it takes to get our sense of freedom. I mean, you only have to turn on the news to see uh, as a particular bill gets uh, presented to Parliament that all of a sudden there are thousands of people walking the streets saying, no, no, we don't want that, we want freedom. It goes from everything from, from a, a little thing like getting more freedom from your parents to, to maybe something governmental or, or even something as bad as we see right now, a nation that is fighting for its independence and freedom. It is a basic human need, a basic human thing that we all want a sense of freedom. We all want it. But the question becomes, like, like how do we go about getting this freedom. And not only that, is that oftentimes our perception of freedom is actually not what the Bible teaches as freedom. Our perception of freedom is something that I'm entitled to, that, that I need to have. That all, And look, I'm not against that. I think there is a way that we need to set up our society and that people should have the right to choose how they live their life. All I, I believe that. I believe we need to have laws that govern that. I totally am for that. But here's the thing. If we are going to be believers, if we are going to be followers of Christ, then we better actually understand what Jesus means when he says, I've set you free. We better actually get back to the Word of God and understand what freedom means in this context. Because out of this context, as we understand that, then we have a basis or a, or, or, or a landing ground or a, or a slab that we can build our life upon. So here's the question. What does the Bible say that freedom is? And here's my first point. 
which is Jesus is the one who brings true freedom. It's not your parents. It's not your friends. It's not a political party as we head into an election. It's not a, a, a government. It's not a dictator. It's not, no one else brings true freedom apart from Christ. And let me tell you why. Is because each and every one of us have made a decision based on our life to do something that has caused us to be bound. It's called sin. All of us have. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short. And because of that sin, you have been separated from, from Christ. You've been made distant from Him. And now you are bound in your sin. In other words, there's nothing that you can do in and of yourself to make yourself right. You can't do it. So freedom is found in Christ. Why? Because Christ came and at His death, burial, and resurrection, because we serve a living God, because of that, he dealt with sin once for all so that you and I could be free. The context of the, the scripture that we've just read, Paul is writing to the Galatian church. There's an interesting thing happening where, where they've been uh, heard the message of Christ and they've accepted that and they've been made free as we hear. So Christ has truly set us free in verse 1. But the problem was there were, there were multiple different ethnicities that were in the church. There were a whole lot of Jews that were there. Then there were a whole lot of other different ethnical uh, people that were there. And here's the difference. that The Jews actually had a whole lot of set of rules that people needed to live by in order to, to be right with God. So they came in and said, hey, hey, you guys who aren't Gentiles, who aren't part of uh, our way, aren't Jews and haven't done what we've done, you need to realize that you need to do X, Y, Z. One of them was circumcision. I know we're talking about circumcision in the house of God, and it's a bit weird. It's all right, hold there. But circumcision was, was actually a mark that made them different. It separated them from everybody else. And so in this particular moment, these Jewish religious leaders were trying to reinforce circumcision on them. And I actually love uh, how, how Paul talks about this in verse 12. I just wish these troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. I think there is no better way of like talking through it. Like that's literally what he says in the NLT. Which I may not be preaching up here again because I'm preaching from the NLT tonight, but that's a different story. So this may be my last hurrah. So this is the context. And, and here's the thing, is that Paul is trying to, again, get into context. Hey, stop trying to make a whole lot of rules for people that Jesus never said we needed to do. It was because of his death, burial, and resurrection that you and I are made free. He's paid the price. You and I are free. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's happened. You and I are made free. So if we're made free, I don't know if you've ever heard this, this uh, statement before, and maybe someone who's talking about, you know, they're pushing their particular way of freedom and what they want to see happen uh, in that. But, you know, if I'm not hurting anybody, what does it really matter? You know, the problem with that statement is, the problem with that statement is that you have just made yourself author and judge of what's right and what's wrong. And the problem with that is that never, ever works. It hasn't worked throughout all of human history. If you go back to Genesis, 
Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 is the beginning. God creates everything. Genesis 2, he talks about the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there are two trees. There's the tree of life, and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says to Adam and Eve, go into the garden, multiply, extend the boundaries, make it larger, build communities. This is what I've told you to do. In fact, he only gave them one thing that they couldn't do. And you know what that was? Do not eat of the tree of good and uh, of knowledge of good and evil. That was the only thing they had to do, not do, right? One rule, one rule. But that's kind of like telling my two-year-old, "Hey, don't touch that," because you've just made him aware of the very thing that he now wants to touch, right? And so what happens? The Bible says it, it puts this really uniquely. It says that the the serpent came and spoke to Eve, and he said, "If you eat of that tree, you will be like God." You know the interesting thing about it is, they were already like God. The enemy tries to communicate things in a way that you're missing out on something that you've already got an inheritance to. And causes you to make a decision that disqualifies you from the inheritance that God actually paid for you. So we're in the garden, they've got, they've got a, an assignment, they've got everything that they need, they just need to make a choice. What are you going to partake of? And the Bible says that Eve looked at the fruit and she took it and ate it. Do you know what that symbolizes? It symbolizes, hey, I know God created everything. I know he ordered things in place in a certain way and how it needs to be. But you know what? Maybe he's he's left something out for me and maybe I can do it better. So she took it and out of her own desire to want to make all the rules, want to be the Lord of her universe and everything. She partake of it, and she all of a sudden became the author and judge of what was right and wrong. And in a moment, everything changed. Bondage came in. They were removed from the place where God had created them to be. In other words, God says, if you actually want to try and do it your way, go ahead. I'm more than happy for you to try it, but I know what will happen. See, sometimes we fight so hard for freedom that we don't realize we're just getting more tangled up in bondage. We're coming after, maybe, maybe if we pass this law, then we can become more free. No, we just become more bound. Have you ever gone fishing? I'm not a very good fisherman. In fact, I'm that bad that I was trying to uh, put... The, the fishing hook on the line that I, I totally, in trying to make the knot, I actually tangled up the whole fishing rod. I don't know how you do that, but you know what I work, realized? The more that you try and untangle fishing line, the, the worse it gets. It's kind of the same thing. Is that the more you try and make freedom yourself, do it in your own works, the more tangled and bound that you get. Freedom is found in Christ alone. That's the only place that you can be totally free. It's the only place that all of your sin, all of your guilt, and all of your shame can be totally removed from your life, and you can live free knowing that you're walking right with God. It's the only place. So if Jesus is the author and the, and the reality of what freedom looks like, here's the thing, is that there is actually a sweet spot that we need to learn to walk in when it comes to freedom. In the same way that as I was on holiday playing golf 
And uh, I, I am endeavoring to hit this little white ball in the sweet spot of my club because when I do that, everything works really well. But when I use the hosel, man, hide the kids, people, because someone's going to get hurt. We actually need to find what is the sweet spot in freedom. And I believe that there are two altar ends or, or pendulum swings that oftentimes we use freedom for that was never designed to be. The first one is what I call board game Ben. Board game Ben. Let me, let me explain. Board game Ben is the kind of person that rocks up to your house and they bring their board game and they sit down and you start playing the board game. And you play the board game and if you're any good and if you're competitive, you start to win. But the problem with board game Ben is because it's his board and he's not winning and he's not getting what he wants, he packs up his board game and goes home. True story, that happened. <laughs> See, in freedom, oftentimes we use our freedom, well, I can do whatever I want. It's my board game. You can't win. And our definition of freedom looks, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, as long as I don't hurt anybody else. There is no greater deception. I can't tell you how many times, as a youth pastor, as a young adult pastor, I've had people come up to me, Dave, uh, the Bible doesn't say you can't go to the club. It doesn't say that. In fact, there are people there that need to hear Jesus, so I just need to go and get my boogie on, and I'm going to boogie for Jesus. And you watch, the anointing will flow, and there will be like, oh, I'm going to use my freedom. I'm like, hang on, hang on, whoop, whoop, come back a bit for a moment. The reality is, it, like, like, let's, let's just be honest for a moment. The reason you go into the club is because there are people there that even in single degree weather are wearing less clothes than probably what you would like to see. Well, actually, it's probably what you want to see. Like, let's, let's be honest for a moment. Or, or the other one, like, you know, the Bible, you know, Jesus drank wine. Jesus drank wine. And, and you know, our, our great premier said it's time to get on the beers. Like, come on, like, like, this is what we need to do. It's like, bro, 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 you're missing the whole point. See, in verse 13, it says, For you are called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use the freedom that Christ paid for just to do what you want to do. That's not what it was made for. You're not in the sweet spot of freedom when you're using your freedom to get whatever you want. What about romantic relationships? Oh, Dave, like, I know she's not saved, but man, I'm believing, I'm praying that she's going to get saved. And you know what? If I'm not in her life, then she's not going to know Jesus. It's like, okay, bro, let's see how that goes. We all know how that ends up. Like, there's so many things. Maybe it's, maybe it's like this. You know what, David, we live under grace, and so I, I don't need to fast and pray. I, I don't need to do that because, you know what, I, I have a relationship. I, I, I live under grace now, and God and I, we're, we're cool. Like, we, we got it going. We got an understanding. It's like, bro, you, you're totally missing the point. You're using your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. And the very thing that Christ paid for, it's like you're going, you know what, thanks Jesus, but I'm going to do whatever I want with it. That's board game Ben. The other end of the spectrum is what I call country club Christianity. Country club Christianity 
is where there are a whole lot of rules and regulations that you need to jump through in order to be part of the elite club. On Monday, I had the privilege of uh, being invited to the MCC uh, members on Anzac Day. We got to go and, and sit in the, in the uh, lounge where they have dining and food and whatever. But what was interesting was the text message that I got on what I could do and what I couldn't do in the actual lounge. I had to wear a full uh, suit and tie and all this sort of stuff. And when we'd get in there, uh, we would sit down. I could take my jacket off when I was sitting down. But the moment I stood up, I had to put my jacket back on. And then, and then not only that, if I, if I ordered something that wasn't quite right, then they would come back and we'd have to sort that out. But I would need to sort something else out, which I didn't even really understand what was going on. The people that were there organized it all for me. But there's like all of these hoops that we jump through. And this is what we actually do in church. We subtly do this. Oh, they're not wearing the right clothes. Oh, they don't say the right things. They don't do the right kind of things. And all of a sudden, we make the freedom that Christ paid for so much more bondage for people who are coming in and are broken that it's like, there is no hope for me to live up to that. Why would I even bother? And we create the church of Jesus Christ like the country club, which it's never supposed to be. We need to find the sweet spot of where freedom is found. So how do we remain in the sweet spot? Simply, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to stay in the sweet spot. In verse 18 of our portion of Scripture in chapter 5, it says, But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer obligated by the law of Moses. Did you catch that? In another Scripture, it says, As you walk in step with the Spirit, as the Spirit leads you, He builds within you the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, of which there is no law. The sweet spot is found in your communion with the Holy Spirit. That's where it's found. It's found in how you are engaging and building your intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I remember there was one time where God had been speaking to me about the area of finances. And he'd been teaching me and, and leading me in, okay, this is how we need to, you need to be aware. Of, this is what I want you to do in your area of your finances. And I was in the supermarket and often was the case I would get a bottle of Coke and a Mars bar just because I'd like to. And I, and I go to the fridge to get the bottle and I all of a sudden just hear this small little whisper saying, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, what was that? Don't do it. Immediately I knew what it was. I'm like, God, are you telling me not to get a Coke? Like, what's wrong with that? It's beautiful. It's red. It's got a nice little cap on it. Gives me a little sugar buzz. Like, what's wrong with it? And all of a sudden, I realize what he's doing. He's actually trying to guide me and keep me in the sweet spot. Why? Was buying a Coke wrong? No, it wasn't. Is it, is it against the law of what God said? No, it's not. But here's what it is. It's me determining that I am going to live my life in the sweet spot of freedom that any time he speaks to me, I'll obey. That any time he nudges me this way, I'll obey. I love what Bill Johnson says, that when Jesus came up out of uh, baptism, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon and descended on him like a dove. 
And this is what Bill says. From that moment on, everything that Jesus did was in consideration of that dove on his shoulder. Everything. Where he goes, what he does, who he associates with. Every moment is in communion with the Holy Spirit. I actually think that as we live in the sweet spot of the Holy Spirit, it's amazing how free we become. That all of a sudden, it's something that, you know, let me, let me take a side step for a moment. One of the scriptures that really puzzled me as I was growing up is this scripture where it talks about if, it's, if you believe what you're doing is wrong, it's actually counted as sin. But if you don't, it's, it's not. I'm like, what is with that? All of a sudden, I realized what it was is that the Holy Spirit actually guides you in moments. And even though it's not wrong based upon His Word, it's because He's tailor-made a destiny and a plan for your life. And if you step into that, you step out of the plan that He called you for. But here's the thing. Sometimes we measure our line of what we can do based upon the person next to us. But God never called you to live their call. He called you to live your call. And there'll be a price that you and I have to pay, the obedience to the Holy Spirit that you and I will have to pay that's maybe different from one another. But that's living in the sweet spot of freedom that Christ paid for. This is what freedom looks like. I know that there may be people here that you're like, well, Dave, that's really great for you to say you're a pastor and I'm sure that you hear from the Holy Spirit all the time and you're so good. But, uh, but for me, I, I don't even know if I, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or just bad pizza. Like, like, which one is it? And I totally get there. I've been there, right? But here's what I know. To, to cancel the lie that the enemy often says that you cannot hear the Lord, it's found in John chapter 10, verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. In other words, God has wired you to hear Him. It is impossible for you to not hear from God. You can hear from Him. Okay, well, and, and I understand there is, we, we go in a journey of discerning and learning what that looks like, and, and I get that. But can I just give you like four simple keys, and I'm sure that there are other people here who could give you lots more, but let me just give you four that will help you navigate if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's bad pizza, right? Is that all right? Can we do that? Number one, is it consistent with God's character and His Word? Is what I'm hearing, is what I'm sensing, is the picture that God is placing in my head, is it the Word, the feeling that I'm feeling right now, is it aligning with God's character and His Word? Because God cannot go against His Word or His character. If He did, He's not God. So here's the thing. We align, we put the filter of God's Word upon our lens. That is why it's so important for you to read the Word. Because the greater the Word, the greater the filter. The more that you understand what God is saying and who He is and His character, the greater the filter that you've got to discern the Word that is coming to you. Number two, does this lead me closer to Jesus or further away? Like, does it cause me to fall more in love with Him? Does it lead me more towards who He's shaping me to be? Or is it just that I'm doing what I'm doing over here in the club? Like, just dancing away? I'm sorry, you can tell I've really danced in the club a lot. But like, is it drawing me closer to Him? Is it aligning me to who He is? 
Is it connecting my heart with, who, with his heart? It's a great filter. The more that you understand who he is, the more that it draws you to him. Number three, does this build up and assist others around me? In other words, is what the Holy Spirit nudging you in, is it actually posturing you to benefit others? Or is it all about you? Is it all about benefiting you? You looking good. You getting your name out there. This is a filter that we can navigate through if it's Holy Spirit or bad pizza. Number four, last one. Is it consistent in the area that God has been speaking to me about? Just in the same way that as I was in the middle of the supermarket and God started to speak to me, hey, don't buy that. Because I was in the middle of a series of financial stewardship. It's funny how when we're in a series, God starts to speak to you about the very same thing that we've been listening to. Why? He's trying to build something in you. He's trying to draw something in you. He's trying to layer something in you. As we filter what God has said through those lenses, then we actually get this ability to discern. One thing that I think is often also, shall I say, I don't think this hurts a real lot, and sometimes I'll do this, which maybe is a bit weird for some of you, but I'll be driving in my car, and, and I've been through seasons where, Holy Spirit, I want to hear your voice like never before. And I'm driving in my car, and all of a sudden, I'll just feel God say, oh, okay, turn left. Now, can I be honest for a moment? I don't know if it's God or if it's me making it up. But me turning left, like, I would rather step out in obedience to what I feel like is right, based upon those things that I've, we've filtered them through, than to miss a moment. And I know that when I get to heaven, I'll actually be able to ask, okay, God, was, what was that about? Was that just me being on my learners again? Was that me being in this position? Or was, or was there something significant in that? The light, lastly, and this is my final thing for tonight so the band can start to come up. It says your freedom actually has a purpose. So your freedom is not just to set you free, but it has a purpose for the people that you come into contact with. It has a purpose. In verse 13, it says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Actually, your freedom is designed not only to set you free, but actually to posture yourself in a way that actually sets other people up to live free. I love what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to do just a small bit of reading here. And I want, but I want to do this to, to bring a few things out. Paul's talking about giving up his rights. In verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to that law, I did this so that I could bring Christ to those who were under the law. When I was with the Gentiles who did not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from the law so that I could bring them to Christ. But I did not ignore the law of God. I obeyed the law of Christ. Did you hear this? So Paul's actually saying in one environment, to a group of people who would have seen certain behaviours as offensive, as wrong, 
and cut away all the influence that Paul would have had to bring about the message of Christ to that group of people. He said, you know what, I'm going to submit myself to that, even though I don't have to. To another group of people, he comes over there and he lives in such a way that actually gives him the place to speak about Christ and who he is. All the while being totally free of both. He says this one thing, I am free but to the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? We just read it in verse, where we go? Your freedom is to serve one another in love. In other words, God has set you free to actually position your life in such a way that you would bring freedom to those around you through your words of communicating who Christ is. I had this friend who just recently got back from Romania and uh, I was talking to him just yesterday about his trip and uh, he said, Dave, you know, we're, we're in this church in Romania and, and, uh, and like it's, it's kind of what the church used to be like probably 10 years ago where everyone rocked up in a suit and a tie and, and they've got the, the pastors, they would sit on the stage and, and this building was like this mezzanine coming in and, and he was there to come and w- lead worship and lead song. But, but the thing was, uh, he had a nose ring. And, and the problem was the interpreter said, hey, you're gonna need to take that out because in this culture, we have this thing like uh, only gypsies wear the nose rings. You can't say that you've named your daughter a certain name because that's associated with the gypsy culture. And so because of that, he removed his nose ring. He didn't communicate about his name of his child, even though in our context, who cares? But he did that so that when he got up in a moment to lead people into the presence of God, they weren't looking at his nose ring, they were looking at Christ. I wonder how many of us are living our life, living our freedom, like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to be subject to that rule because, you know, they're really weird. But hang on a minute. What about if you actually got close to them and actually started to communicate to them the revelation that you found? What if you served the people around about you and directed them into a place where they would encounter the risen Christ? I'm so thankful that Christ has set me free. I'm so thankful that He has made me free and I am free and free indeed. But here's the thing, I will not use my freedom just to serve my own wants, my own needs, my own desires. I choose to live in the sweet spot of freedom so that I can serve people in such a way that they would have an encounter with Christ. I love being in church. I love the presence of God. I've seen in moments like this where people who are far from God have a moment with Him in the presence of God. But I've also seen moments where people have come into the church and because of a conversation, because of backtalking, because of not being inclusive, they've walked out and their judgment of the church has seemed real and they've missed their encounter with the Holy Spirit. I tell you, it's a sobering thought 
that we actually carry within us the power and the freedom to actually posture ourselves in a way that others would come and drink from the well that never runs dry. Let me tell you that Christ paid the price so that you could live free. You can wake up tomorrow morning knowing that you are in right relationship with God, that you can have a relationship with Him. It's not about following a set of rules. It's not about following a set of things that you need to do. No, it's about a relationship with Him. You are not too far gone. There's nothing that's happened to you or that you've done that will disqualify you from what Jesus did. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.